Second Corinthians chapter eight and verse 10. Are you there? And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were not only the first to give, but also to have a desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has and not according to what one does not have. Verse 11, just one more time. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. On Thursday, I decided I would cycle home from the church office. Jillian and I and our our family live in Porirua. And so last year, I often cycled into the office, but this year my timetable doesn't work that way. And so for the last few months, I must admit, I confess before you this morning that I've been a bit remiss in the fitness department. So on Thursday, I felt pretty motivated. I thought, you know what? I'm gonna take the bike into the office. Jillian can drive the car home and I will cycle home. Now, I had the added motivation of the fact that I had to be at the the Link Church in Lower Hutt for our creative all-in by 7.30. So at 5.30, I was beginning to pike out on the ride home when I realized that there was no one in the office that was going to Porirua except me. So I put on my cycling gear at 5.00. 40, suited up in Lycra, I left the office. I must admit, I left enthusiastic. I left fired up. It was a great day. It was kind of like a, a bit of a cool day, but the, you know, no rain or anything like that. A little bit of a breeze. And I'm thinking, this is going to be awesome. I get down to the Wellington waterfront. It was nice. I'm cycling past the stadium, over the overbridge, along past Thorndon towards the Naronga Gorge. I'm telling myself as I approach the Naronga Gorge that when I'm going up this incredibly steep piece of hill, I better be conservative. I mean, it's been a long time since I've been on my bike. I'm thinking to myself, I better stage it. I better take it easy. Better not go too hard. Getting it into my head, getting it into my head. Cameron, don't go too hard. Don't go too hard, Cameron. And then I start up the Naronga Gorge and the devil put temptation right in front of me. If there's anything you know about me is that I'm incredibly competitive. I mean, unbelievably competitive. If I ever look like I'm not competitive, it's because I know I'm going to lose. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If I know I'm gonna lose, I put a disinterested outset, but on the inside, trust me, no matter what it is, I am competitive. So up ahead of me, about maybe 30 meters ahead is another cyclist and I can quickly tell that he's not quite going as fast as me. Anyone know where the story's going? So I start off going, I better take this 2.2 kilometer straight uphill ascent easy until I see the cyclist just ahead of me. And then I'm thinking to myself, Caleb, I gotta nail this guy. I mean, he's on a mountain bike. He deserves to go down. So, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, my mind, but I'm climbing on this guy, I'm climbing on this guy. And sure enough, before we got to the top of the Naronga Gorge, I did overtake this guy. But as I come up over the top and pull into Johnsonville, I'm telling you, my head is swimming. There's no blood left in my head. I feel like I'm about to vomit. I feel like maybe there's little dots coming up ahead of me. It's been four months since I've been on a bicycle. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm telling you, when I started this ride, I felt pumped, I felt energized, I felt excited. At Johnsonville, 
I felt like I was gonna vomit, I might pass out. I'm trying to get through the main strip of Johnsonville without hitting another car. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've got my iPhone in my back pocket. I'm thinking I should stop. I should call Jillian, get her to come and pick me up. But I praise God for the fact that I kept going. I get the other end of Johnsonville, go down the hill towards Churton Park. That felt awesome because I wasn't even pedaling and I'm doing 50 kilometres an hour. I get through the bit to Tower and then ride through Tower on a gentle kind of, you know, descent climb and eventually get to Porirua. Got lost in Porirua, didn't make it across the motorway and so Gillian had to come and pick me up anyway. But by my record, by my record, don't get me wrong, I could have got home, but it was already seven o'clock. And so I thought I'd better get Jillian to come pick me up so I make it to the creative all in on time. But you know what? On the, when I started the ride, I was pumped about the ride. When I got to Johnsonville, I was ready to give up the ride. In fact, I was ready to give up my lunch onto the pavement. But I'm here to tell you that when I got to Porirua, even though Jillian picked me up outside Countdown in P-Town, I was just so exhilarated for having completed the ride. And you know, it's one thing in life to start something, but I found that in life, once you've started, it's really hard to keep it going. But in life, there's nothing like finishing. This is an amazing verse of Scripture because there's two words that as I read this Scripture, and honestly, in my life, this Scripture, verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, is one of my theme Scriptures. But when I read it just recently, it came alive in my heart again when I read two words when it says, now finish. And I began to think about these two words and about us and about life and about the fact that starting is exciting, midpoints are draining, but finishing is is energizing. And the Bible says in verse 10, it says, here's my advice about what is best for you. And then in verse 11, it's saying, now finish. Don't start something new. Don't get distracted. Don't lose your intensity. What you have started, you better finish. Church, if there's one thing I want you to know about our God, it is that our God is a finisher. God never started anything that He didn't finish. He's an amazing God. In fact, independent of humanity, there's only two things that God ever started. Did you know that? Outside of humanity, there's only two things that God ever started. The first one was creation. And the Bible tells us that to put all the universe in place, all the stars of the heavens, every moon, every, every molecule, our oceans, our waterways, our incredibly vast forests, every insect, every creature. It took the God of the universe six days to create the world. And then in Genesis chapter two, verse two, it says that he finished. And once he finished, he rested from his labors. Our God started creation. How many people are pumped? Our God finished creation. And then the other thing that God started independently of people I mean, he's done a lot of things through people. He's done a lot of things with humanity. He's done a lot of things on side of humanity, done a lot of things for humanity. But the only thing he left us out of was the plan of salvation. Jesus came, he was born in a manger. Angels heralded his arrival. For 30 years, he lived as a normal person. He entered his ministry at the age of 33. The Bible says that our Savior went to the cross And upon that cross, He purchased freedom and forgiveness for all humanity. 
And in John 19, verse 30, it's coming up on the screen. It says, when he had finished the drink, Jesus said, it is, shout it, it is. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Jesus said, it's finished. The work of salvation is finished. The work of creation was finished. In fact, if you read, you know, theology books or if you've ever read about the, the cross, you would know that the cross is described as the finished work. It's remarkable theologically to know that on the cross of Calvary, even though you're alive today, 2000 years ago, your salvation was finished at the cross. It's not an incomplete work. It's not a 90% done work. God didn't leave 5% to be done after, you know, the fact. It is finished on the cross. He started it, He did it, and He finished it. In fact, this is what makes Christianity different from every other belief system. We're not trying to do enough to get salvation. Our salvation is done. It's finished. It's signed up. We've got it because of Jesus. Somebody give God the praise for that today. He's a finisher. You're wondering where I'm going with this, but where I'm preaching to you today is that our God is a finisher. He's not just the alpha. He's the omega. He's not just the beginning. He's the end. He's just not the author of something. He's the perfecter of it. What God starts, He finishes. He's the creator and the completer, the beginner and the ender, if that's a word. He's the starter and the finisher. This is amazing because this is a tremendous source of confidence to everyone in this room because Philippians chapter two, verse six says, he who began a good work in you will finish what he started. He's gonna bring it to completion. Our God never began anything that he isn't prepared to finish. If he started a work in us, then how many people are pumped because if he started a work in me, he's gonna finish the work in me. And that's encouraging. Because you know what, starting is awesome, but midpoints are discouraging. And right now you're in this room and you're thinking, God's lost my number, He's forgotten my name, they're going through such pain, there are valleys in my life, not knowing that God hasn't left you alone, He hasn't left you on a shelf. None of us have forgotten by Him, overlooked. What He started, He is going to? God is a finisher. Not only is God a finisher, but church, He wants us to be finishers as well. He is looking for finishers. Here is my advice. Now finish. As there was an eager willingness to do it, may there now be a completion of it. As there was an eager willingness to do it, may there now be a completion of it. As you were pumped to start it, now finish it. The Bible's literally saying God doesn't want you just to look at it. God's not looking for just one or the other. Many people think that God is just looking for somebody who's willing. Oh, we, we preach this all the time. In fact, I would preach this myself because I believe it, that God is looking for a willing heart. How many of you believe that? Oh, in fact, we could, do, we could explore this all morning, the fact that there is only one thing God cannot give you, and that's willingness. You, you, you choose to do it. 
I mean, Jesus came to this earth. Salvation was in His hands. It, it was possible. Everything God wanted Him to do was in His hands to do. Listen, you're not called to bring salvation, but you're called to bring something. You're called to bring the plan of God to earth. There's a, a unique reason for you existing. Nobody, come on, nobody's redundant. Nobody's left out. We're all here for a special purpose. But Jesus had to pray, Father, not my will, but your will. In other words, my greatest struggle is to be willing. But the Apostle Paul writes us here in this passage and he says, well, as there was an eager willingness, that's half of it. May there now be a completion of it because that's the whole of it. These two things go together. We can't just want to start. We have to be a finisher. God's looking here in Arise Church this morning when we're declaring over our church that this year is an appointed time. But there's no point just getting pumped up in January and going, it's an appointed time. I'm gonna save the world. You know, I'm God's man of faith and power for the hour. If we just start it, it's not enough. As there was an eager willingness to begin it, now we've got to finish it. There's got to be a completion. You know, um, like most dads, I guess, in the room in the summer, I spend a lot of time at the beach. I normally start my day at the beach trying to sit on a towel maybe talk to Jillian, talk to our friends that are there at the beach with us, relax a little moment. My kids go down to the water, but how many dads in this room know within half an hour, they're not asking for mum. They ask for mum after one hour and 30 minutes when they want morning tea. But after 30 minutes, the one that they're asking for is dad. And who can tell me what for? Sandcastles. There you are as a dad immediately getting signed up, especially, you know, with, with Will, my son. Be like, Dad, let's build a sandcastle. Let's build a sandcastle. Now, his version of a sandcastle is one of those forts that keeps the water out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Doesn't matter whether you're 15 or 50, you know what this fort is all about. You gotta keep the water out. It's you against the tide. It's stupid really, isn't it? Because the tide's always gonna win. But there we are and we're building this fort and we'll say, let's do it, Dad. And I'm like, okay. So I'm lining it out in the sand. I'm getting it all structured. So here's the edges, kids. Now everybody get the dirt from the outside. Come on, you now goes and put it on the inside. Don't take it from the inside because then we'll be all stuffed up. We're gonna get the dirt all around, build a, build a trench. We've got a little thing coming around it. You know, we're getting higher and higher and higher and we're going to stave off the storm and we got the thing going and, you know, then I'm into it and then I'm, I'm building it. How many people know that within maybe 10 minutes, one of the kids needs to go and collect shells to put on the fort? You know what I'm talking about? So then Lara's off and she's getting a few shells to put, you know, then Will, he ends up covered in sand all over his entire body. He wants to scratch his nose. So then he's got to wash the water off and he's off doing something else. And there's dad. And, I, you know, I, I mean, by the end of the summer, I've got a bad back from building sandcastles because you're there digging away, digging away. And I'm, one day I'm down there on the beach and I'm, I'm doing my thing. I'm helping the kids. And suddenly this couple stop next to me and they go, that's a great sandcastle that you're building. And I stop and I look up. I realized that Lara's way down the beach over here. Will's in the water over here. And it's just me all alone with it. I don't know how long I've been there for. All by myself. Come on, give me a wave, dads, if you've ever found yourself in the same boat. There's lots of us. We're starting a support club. Because it's eager. It's easy for my kids to have an eager willingness to start it but I'm looking for something within them that's got a, a, a matched by a completion of it. Anybody in this room ever got pumped about something you didn't finish? A project, a doer-upper? 
a repainting of something, I don't know, a diet, a New Year's resolution, a, a commitment to eating healthy, a correspondence course. You'll never find me in all my life doing another correspondence course. I just don't like sitting in a room alone, let alone trying to work out somebody else's plan for me in a room alone, but you know what I'm saying? And you start off on these things together and every person in this room's got something. Parents have made a commitment to their children, teenagers at summer camp. Levi preached and you know, says, honor your parents, so you're here today, so I'm making a commitment to honor my parents. And we make commitments, commitments made to our spouse, but at our age has lost the substance of what it means to be a finisher. We're all filled with, you know, eager expressions. I love you. Let's get married. Let's make a commitment to finish this life together. But people have forgotten the essence of what it means to be a finisher. And I want you to understand in life, there's always gonna be a voice saying, don't finish. I mean, when I get, got to Johnsonville on my ride, how many people know there is a strong voice in my ear as this vomit is beginning to come up from my stomach saying, don't finish. Jesus came to this earth. If he had just arrived, just gone through the motions, not gone to the cross, people know the devil doesn't mind that you start things. He cares whether you finish things. So Jesus has come to this earth, but the Bible says that when he hung upon the cross, three groups of people tried to get him from stopping, from finishing what he set out to do. Matthew 27, 39, let's read it. Those who passed by, this is Jesus on the cross, hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You're go- you, are, we're going, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. Don't finish. In the same way, chief priests, teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him, saying he saved others, but he can't save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. In other words, don't finish. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him, for he said, I am the Son of God. In other words, don't finish. And every voice coming at Jesus on the cross on the eve of his real victory was the voice saying, do not finish. And friends, it doesn't matter what you've set out to do for God with your life, the greatest temptation that's gonna come your way is not the one to not get started. The greatest destruction that happens in life is when people fail to finish. So in my heart and my spirit has been this word over our church that is literally saying, now finish. As there was a willingness to do it, may there now be a completion of it. There are four things I wanna to talk to you about, about finishing. You with me this morning? The first one is that possibilities are born from what you begin, but breakthroughs are born from what you finish. See, my friends, I want you to understand that the moment you begin anything, possibility comes alive within your life. I mean, there's no possibility if you don't begin. There's a word for some guy here. You are not gonna find the girl you want unless you buy a bunch of flowers and ask her out for dinner, hello. Unless you begin, there is no possibility. Possibility is born when you begin. It's the moment that you begin that possibility comes alive within your life, but breakthroughs don't come from what you start, breakthroughs come from what you finish. At the beginning of 2011, both my brother and I, Pastor Brent, 
who's preaching in Hamilton this morning while Jillian is preaching in Christchurch. And Pastor Brent and I, at the beginning of, of last year, both began new exercise routines. I decided I was gonna take up road cycling, which I'm really enjoying. And so I took road cycling up. And my brother, he decided that he was gonna intensify his commitment to the gym. He was going about once a week. He said, I'm gonna go four times a week. And so we both began. Now, by the time we got to May, my long rides were 74 kilometers. Every Tuesday, I was riding 74 kilometers all through Whitemans Valley in the heart and back home again. It was a big ride, take me two and a half, three hours, and I began well. But then coming into June, I began to travel. We did church tours for two weeks. I went to Australia for two weeks. Then I went to America for two weeks. And then, you know, we're back in Australia again. And then a RISE conference. Then after a RISE conference, another thing comes around. And from June all the way through until October, I did not hop on my bike. And then I have a short stint. Then we're into the summer break. How many people know the summer break is really like a, a Greek phrase? Summer break is Greek for eat too much. And so, you know, over the summer break, I eat too much. And so, you know, last week, my brother is staying at the same house as me. Now, I started, but he finished. All year, he kept eating well. All year, he kept going to the gym well. Now listen, most of our lives, and I'm not playing my brother out, but he's been fatter than me. Most of our lives together. I'm just calling a spade a spade. Well, last week, he's staying at my house, and we both go to hop in the spa together. Well, there he is. He's at my house. He takes off his T-shirt. He's replaced his abs with like a washboard. His shoulders are big, he's, he's got like a V shape going on. I'm like a cylindrical shape. You know, he wanted to, wanted to wash his togs afterwards. It took a bit of detergent, a bit of water, just went up and down in his abs like that. I tried it, my togs disappeared into a little hole, a little vortex there. I whacked his stomach, I got a sore hand, he whacked my stomach, it's still shaking now. I'm here to tell you that possibilities were born the moment that we both began, but I got no breakthrough because I didn't finish. Now he did finish, and my Lord, what a breakthrough it is. Jesus came to this earth, that's great. But if all Jesus did was come to this earth, see, when you begin, when you begin, it's always exciting. It's exciting to begin, isn't it? Man, we're pumped when you begin. The first time, the first day you ever go for the run, how many people know it's awesome? You feel great. I, I exercised today and nobody cares how long it was. You just did it. I ran 10 steps, but all your, all your friends know is you went for a run. <laughs> Jesus comes to this earth. And really his birth is symbolic of every beginning. I mean, I'm not trying to take away from the birth of our Saviour, but when Jesus is born, angels herald his arrival. Magi come from the East, they give him gifts. Everybody loves you when you start. Everybody's with you when you're beginning. Everybody's excited about the stuff that you begin at. But if all Jesus had done was come to this earth, even if he taught some moral teachings, healed a few people, if that's all Jesus did, even if every sick person Jesus met while he's on this planet was healed and he taught his sermons, my friends, we would not be in this room this morning. 
because he came, he began, but the real deal is not that possibilities came from his beginning. See, you're in this room and there's literally been a moment in your life where angels have appeared. That moment when you feel, I gotta start this thing, do this thing, move forward. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a better husband, be a better man. And I'm telling you, the moment you made that choice, there is gonna be that sense of heaven bearing witness to your beginning. Because God wants you to begin. But the lonely moments are not in the beginning. The lonely moments are towards the ending, the finishing. And so Jesus prays in the garden of Gethsemane. But oh my friends, how many people in this room are happy that Jesus didn't begin, He didn't just begin, that Jesus finished. And now because He finished, the gates of heaven are wide open. Salvation has come. Freedom has come. Salvation is ours, life and healing and deliverance. And man, any person that wants to can have access into heaven. Not the breakthrough came not because Jesus began. And in our lives, the breakthrough doesn't come from things that you begin. The breakthrough comes from things that you finish. Whether it's your finances, your budget, whether it's your your walk with God, whether it's increased commitments that you've made, it's following through on the things that we start that brings the breakthrough into our lives. And God is looking for somebody who is going to finish. The devil will let you start things your whole life long. Who will know that? I mean, I, I met people who are honestly just every time I meet them, they're pumped about a new idea. In fact, in our staff, we have a thing we call an ideas amstus. Literally, you cannot have any ideas. Okay, we've had a lot of ideas. Now there are no more ideas. And some of my team are like, and I'm going to go, I'm going to kick you up. No, but you, sorry, I'm joking a bit too much, but, but, but my friends, ideas are not, not always what they crack up to be, starting things, because the devil will let you just get busy starting one thing after another thing, after another thing, after another thing. I'm really pumped about this, you start it, now I'm really pumped about this, and I start it, I'm really pumped about that, and I start it, and I start this, and I start that. The devil's just sitting back going, go ahead. See, I want you to understand that in January, all of people are writing New Year's resolutions. The older I get, the less I have. I don't even know that to be true. Man, but the thing is, the devil's not there going, yeah, I'm just gonna just, you know, just pour water on you, just really, I'm trying to destroy your beginnings. No, he'll let you have your start. Then he'll come to you in April. Come on. No one wants to say amen because I'm talking about you. But he comes to you in April. Just discourages you a little bit. Just gets you down. I'm gonna read the Bible cover to cover. By the way, it doesn't matter whether you finished it last year, but it does matter that you finish what you start. Because the breakthrough will come when you finish it. When I first set out to read the Bible, I said, I'm gonna read the Bible cover to cover in three months because I had to go on a short-term outreach. So in September, I said, by Christmas, I will have read the Bible cover to cover. I read 40 chapters the first day, 50 chapters the next, sorry, other way around. I read 50 chapters the first day, 40 chapters the second day, read the Bible all the way, cover to cover, in three months' time. Man, if I had just got through Genesis and never finished Revelation, I don't know how much I would have missed out on. Because when I speed read the Bible like that, it was reading it differently. It wasn't one verse that illuminated. It was one theme matched with another theme, matched with the theme in the New Testament. 
And suddenly I realized that because I was reading it within such a short window, that what was spoken of in Numbers about when they came out of, the, of Egypt and then faltered on the edge of the promise was what it was also speaking about in 1 Corinthians 10, when it says that it was written down for, as an example and a type for us on whom the fulfillment of the eight, and, and peace gets matched together with peace. And I'm here to tell you, that wasn't the fact that I started that gave me the breakthrough in the project. It was the fact that I finished it. That's an easy example, but what about in your life? How many things do we start, but that we never finish? Over the next three Sundays, I'm gonna talk more about this concept of finishing because I believe that God doesn't want us to be a church, of a community of people who are just busy with new ideas and new initiatives and starting left and starting right. And I'm gonna to go to life group this year, but not in, not in August, you know what I'm saying? God wants us to be a group of people who say, I'm up for this, I'm starting something. And once I start it, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to get the breakthrough. I'm going to move forward. Because the devil would love for all of our energies just to be dissipated by a bunch of starting, but never any finishing. Number two, who's with me today? You're receiving the word? Number two, God doesn't get the glory for our beginnings, but for our completions. So whenever you start something, you get the glory for it. But when you finish it, God gets the glory for it. Nehemiah, Nehemiah begins to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and everybody around is saying, whoa, Nehemiah, you're crazy. Nehemiah, do you really think you can rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? Do you really think you can do this? And we're gonna dive into this another week because how amazing is it that Nehemiah starts this work and then everything tries to get Nehemiah distracted. But he just says, I won't stop. I can't have a conversation with you. I'm not going to the left. I'm not going to the right because we have begun, begun, begun a good work. And now I've begun it. I've got to finish it. He said, I've got to see it through. And the Bible says because he was focused, because he wouldn't be distracted, he wouldn't be intimidated, he wouldn't be dissipated. The Bible says that he not only began it, but he finished it. He finished it in such a short period of time that people said, how can you do this in such a short period of time? The hand of the Lord must be with you, Nehemiah. In other words, Nehemiah got the credit for starting it, but God got the glory for him finishing it. And in our lives, anything that you see through to the end in this day and age is remarkable. When we think about marriages that last, God gets glory for that. Because these are testaments to the fact that you might not be able to do it by yourself, but you can do it with God. It's about God getting the glory. God gets glory when we finish. This means we better be hard out committed to finishing what we started. Nine years ago, we began to rise church in a little drama hall in Newtown with, you know, seven people and a little kind of, you know, rambunction, you know, just a little band of people starting it together. And my friends, if all we ever did was start it, how many people know God wouldn't get the glory? But in 10 years time from now, we turn 10 at the end of this year, but I'm looking forward not to just this milestone, although we're gonna party, but when we get to 20 years time and we've grown from what we are now, maybe three and a half, 4,000 to 20,000 and another 10 years time, and people know we got the credit for starting it, but God will get the glory for finishing it. Come on, man. Anybody reckon we can build a church of 20,000 people in Wellington? See thousands of people come to faith in Christ, change a nation for our God. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. 
And man, God's looking for some people that aren't just going to start, but some people who are going to finish. Oh man, God's looking for finishers. He's looking for finishers. Jillian and I made last year in our miracle offering the largest commitment to the miracle offering we've ever given in our lives, the largest offering we've ever made in our lives. It was a huge thing to start. And then, you know, we're excited about starting it. But the amazing thing is not that we started it. It's that last week we finished it. And man, when I started it, I guess I got the glory because I put in the largest pledge. But God gets the glory that through his intervention into my life, I was able to complete that which I started. And now I've got a bigger God. How many people know if I started it, but I didn't finish it, then I... My world gets smaller. I get dwarfed. I don't believe that I can do it. Anything you start but that you don't finish makes your world smaller. But when you start anything and you finish it. I was meeting with somebody just the other week and, you know, about a partial situation and they've got dreams up the wazoo. Want to do this, want to do that, want to change the world. Got huge aspirations. Influence government, missions, do this, do that. Massive aspirations. And they said to me, what do you think I should do? I said, here's my advice. Get a job. Get a basic job. Do it 40 hours every week. Get a regular pay packet. Do the basics in your life well. Then when you've done the basics, then look at some extra study. Once you've done the extra study, then look at the next thing. But you've got to finish something. Because in life, if you never finish anything, then your life is never going to count. God's never going to get any glory. But when you go from strength to strength to strength, man, when we put that final amount in and we're like, how do we pull that off? And God is big and wow, He's for us. The moment we put it in, we start thinking about this year's miracle offering. Why? Because we've already seen God do something great. And now our belief is that God can do something even greater. Come on, God's looking for somebody who isn't going to start, but somebody who's going to finish. finish. Number three, doing things will drain you, but finishing them will feed you. Boy, how many people know that's true? Riding my bike, when I got to Johnsonville, honestly, I was drained. So drained. But by the time I got to Porirua, I was pumped. I was energized. I hop in the car with Jillian. I'm like talking like a million miles an hour. I mean, I'm just, I'm just alive. I felt like zinging with vitality. I'm buzzing with life because I just rode my bike up the Naronga Gorge and survived. I deserve a credit for that. Come on, somebody. I made it. I finished it. I did it. I got to P-Town. I did not vomit. I did not pass out. I am alive today. Somebody is happy about that. I am happy about that. Because doing things will drain you, but finishing them will feed you. I want you to understand, you get worn out through the doing. This might not be, you know, inspirational, but you've got to hear this. That the midpoints are flat points. Mid-targets are not pleasant moments to be in. And so a lot of people just give up on ever having a target. Because in the middle... You're always exhausted. And I just feel this is symptomatic of our society. I don't watch TV. 
One of the reasons why is I don't want somebody else telling me something new that I've got to do. I'm busy. I've already got things that I've decided to do. So I'll finish that, and now I'm open to a new influence. Because this is what I know, is that the Bible doesn't say you build strength, you build weak to strong. It says we go from strength to strength. So when you finish something, it doesn't drain you. What you finish feeds you. In John 4, 34, Jesus asked about where he's going to get his food to eat. And he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's what most people think. But it isn't. He said, my food is coming up on your screen is to do the will of him who sent me and to, come on, and to, and to, and to finish. Jesus wasn't fed by what he started. He was fed by what he finished. Because when you finish the thing, it feeds you. It comes alive within you. Because the doing will drain you, but the finishing will feed you. Suddenly you're like, man, I did it. I can do, I can do, I can do anything. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm too Christian for my church. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm up for it. I believe I can fly, spread my wings and touch the sky. I mean, you just believe that you can do anything when you finish something. And so God's looking for people who aren't just going to start stuff, but people who are going to finish things because when you finish them, they energize you. Can I be honest with you? I'm really not that good at doing jobs around the house. I've been married for 15 years to Jillian. I'm still a work in progress. Ladies, you've got to give a man at least 10 years. After 10 years, he's going to start being actually slightly useful. It takes us that long. We're just a really, we're a long-term project, girls. You just got to accept this the moment that you meet us. I've been married to Jillian for 15 years. I do fine around the section, you know, around the, the outside of the house. No, I don't. I do okay around the section. Inside the house, I'm just, Jillian will say to me, okay, sweetheart, so we're going to divvy up jobs for the new year, and your job's going to be the dishes. By March, she's doing all the dishes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But, but I'm, I'm flat out useless at it. So what Jillian will do is after, the, after dinner, she'll say, okay, John, I'm going to do the bath, and you can do the dishes. Now, the reason why she knows this is because she knows my personality. So she takes the kids upstairs and she's doing the bath time. But you know what? Once I start something, I finish it. So I'm, you know, I've, I've loaded the dishwasher, I shut it, I turn it on, I grab the pots, I wash them, I take the things off the, the oven and I'm flipping, you know, doing the spray and wipe all over the all over the hob, and then I'm spraying, wiping the bench top. The floor doesn't look that good. I got the vacuum out. I'm tidying away the cookbooks. I mean, when she comes back, the thing looks amazing because just, it's just my personality. Once I start it, I'm never going to do a mediocre job. I'm never going to kind of do it half hard. I can't even help myself. She tricks me. She deceives me. She traps me. I wanted the evening for watching television. It's nine o'clock. I just finished cleaning the kitchen. I'm the cleaner Jillian always wanted. My obsessive personality means that once I've started, I have to finish it. But when Jillian comes back downstairs after putting the kids in bed, how many people know you can't, woman, mums, they're tired when they've just finished putting the kids in bed, but she walks in. Literally, there's like gleaming, you know, shoots of light coming off the bench top. The doing drained her, but the fact that I finished it, it energizes her. And it's like that in life. Anything finished will energize you. 
So that's why the Satan wants you to never finish. He wants you to never finish, never get victory, never complete, never tick off a to-do list, never achieve it, never stop it. He wants you busy starting. He wants you tired. He never wants you feeling rewarded. He never wants you to feel fulfilled. This is what the devil wants. That's why God says, this is my advice. You were willing to start it, now finish it. I deal with a lot of pastors who deal with this thing called burnout. I personally don't believe in burnout, but this is what I do know, that burnout really is the gap between what you started and what you're able to finish. Because anything you finish won't kill you. If you finish it, even if it takes you to the edge of your strength, you'll get past it, you'll rest, and you'll go, I'm, I can change the world. But if the way your life, your culture, your disciplines are set up so that you start something and it's just got so much further to go and you've got nothing left to give to it, that's when people start to feel that feeling, like I can't do this. And so God says, don't start too much, but what you start, finish. And then we can together move forward. Number four, neither God nor people are impressed by starters, but everybody's impressed by a finisher. Luke 14, 28 to 30, suppose one of you wants to build a tower, will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to finish it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying this fellow began to, to build, but was not able to finish. He's saying, in other words, people will come and say about the guy who started but didn't finish it, he's not very good. We don't have a lot of nice words for people who fail to finish. I began to think about all the words. The nicest word for failure to finish that we have is non-completion. That's the best one I could think of. That's like our polite way of saying, he did not score enough to pass the test. Non-completion. Other words for a failure to finish. Failure, quitter, choker, loser. The problem is that no Christian is destined by God to be a loser. By very nature, we are a winner. So the Bible says, this is my advice. Finish. As there was a willingness to start it, now finish it. And then it gives a little caveat, according to your means. In other words, if, you've had an, if you've, what you've aimed to do is not possible, then readjust the goal. But make, and we're going to talk about this next Sunday. But the goal is not that we just keep starting stuff. The goal is that we make course corrections, but what we start, we finish. Last one. Finishing is better than starting. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8. The end of the matter is better than its beginning. Man, the whole Bible is full of a theme. Finishing is better than starting. The end is better than the beginning. The end is better than the beginning. I don't think many people would disagree with that, but I don't know if a lot of people get to experience that. When Jesus was born, the angels appeared, the wise men bought gifts, shepherds bowed down and worshiped. It was an amazing start. But it's often like that in the start. And then we get lost along the way. But we're in this room this morning, able to know forgiveness of sin, salvation, freedom, life, healing, have a relationship with God, not just because 
Jesus started, but because he finished. Hanging on a cross, it is finished. The Apostle Paul writes at one time in his life and he says, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss. In fact, I consider my own life loss. He says, there's one thing I want. I wanna finish the race. I wanna complete what He's called me to do. I wanna get the crown. And then he writes elsewhere and he says, later on in his life, I have run my race. I have finished my course. You know, it's possible for any person to finish. You can't finish everything, but you can finish what God's called you to do. Listen, every person can finish what God's called them to do. You can't finish what He hasn't called you to do, but you can finish what He's called you to do.